Hey friend, Graham Baldwin here with The Speaker Lab. Hey, wouldn't it be nice if someone gave you the exact process to find and book more speaking gigs in 2024? That'd be nice, right? Well, I'll tell you what, we're just gonna do that for you. We've created a new 18-page guide based on Dan Irvin's process that helped him actually book over $100,000 in speaking gigs in the past year. Now, Dan is one of our uh, team members here. He's this, a very successful speaker and also one of our coaches. And so you're gonna learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, proposal emails, and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps. Again, that's plural, thespeakerlab.com slash steps. We're going to send you that PDF guide right to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps. That's it. That's all you got to do. Go there. Hey, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, my friend? Graham Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're having a great day. Really do appreciate you being with us and joining us today. Whether this is your first time listening or you're a long-time listener and you've listened to nearly all 200 episodes, we appreciate you being with us. Hey, if you haven't already, we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast, leave us a rating and review, and uh, we just so appreciate that. It helps other people to find the show, and uh, we just want to make, make sure that we're uh, making a little dent in the world, so we always love hearing from you and getting some feedback there. Hey, so today we have uh, Miss Melanie Diesel joining us uh, once again for a co-hosted episode. We like doing these from time to time. Do you like hearing them? I hope so. Seems like it. We always get some good feedback whenever uh, Melanie's hanging out with us. And today we're talking all about how to prepare and prep your mind and body for a presentation. So Melanie and I talk through our own personal, basically like what we do behind the scenes to prepare for a, a talk. We talk about what we do in the hours leading up to a talk in terms of any music we listen to or food we eat or don't eat or hydrating, talking to others, all that stuff. Just talk about all of our routines before taking the stage. So I think you're going to pull out a lot of fun little nuggets here in today's conversation. So let's get right into it. Here's my conversation with... Uh, uh, Miss Melanie Diesel talking about all about how to prepare your mind and body for a talk. Enjoy. What's up, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls? Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. Grant Baldwin here, joined by Melanie Diesel, and today we're going to be talking about preparing for your talk, preparing for your speech, and really kind of like what goes on behind the scenes in the last few hours, the 24 hours leading up to your presentation, to your talk, kind of just getting your head right, getting your body right, getting yourself good to go. We'll talk about it in a non-woo-woo way. Does that sound good? <laughs> That's the goal. All right. All right. So, all right, give us kind of an overview. What are we going to be covering today? I mean, we're going to talk about all kinds of things because the reality is we talk plenty about the content, right? What you're going to be talking about. We talk about the business side of these things. But at the end of the day, you are a human person with a human brain and a human body. And yeah. those things have limitations. Right. And sometimes we've got to take extra steps to make sure that we are ready to walk out there and give our best self on stage. So we're going to talk a little bit about rehearsal. We're going to talk about how to prepare your mind, right? So the things you can do to make sure you're in the right mindset. And then we're going to spend a little time talking about preparing your body, which is obviously different for every person, but we'll talk about some of the things we do to make sure that we are ready to walk out there and rock the stage. Sounds good. All right. So let's start by talking about rehearsing your material. So let's say at this point, you've worked on your talk, you've got the talk down, you've got it all like written out. Actually, just like take a quick step back, like what's your process for that? So do you manuscript it out? Do you do outlines? What do you do? So one of the things I do is I actually build the PowerPoint first. Now, granted, not the PowerPoint that I would use as slides, I think very visually. So it's important for me, even if the slides or I've, I've done the same thing with post-its, right? I need yeah. to like, look at what are those capsules, those stories, those stats, those points that I want to make? How do I reorganize those, which is easy to do moving post-its or dragging slides? 
And then what I will do is build a script based on that. So I kind of like make those points, rearrange them until I feel like the flow is nice. And then I will script out the finer details from that. Gotcha. So do you end up manuscripting it out? I don't know if I, I do full manuscript. I, okay. There are some parts that are fully manuscript. There are others that are more loose where I'll say, tell this story. And yeah. I know how to tell that story. So maybe right. I haven't detailed every single snippet. But yeah, different parts are different levels of, of manuscripted out. All right, cool. So, all right, so let's assume that I tend to have more of a manuscript. And again, I always tell people, like, it's not a manuscript in the sense of, like, you have to memorize every single word verbatim. I, I want to have the gist of it. I want to know where I'm going. I want to have the spirit of it. But mm-hmm. without, it's not a script that you're trying to know for a, you right. know, I have to get this line exactly like this. Now, there's going to be a few things that, like, yeah, it needs to be said this way exactly. in this order. But, like, the overall thing, I just need to know the structure and, and where I'm going there. So let's assume at this point you've got the talk ready. And let's assume that you've spent some time rehearsing. What does that rehearsal process look like for you? I think for me, what I tend to do when I'm right before the event is I do not want to be learning new material leading into an event that is way too soon, right? So I need to have that content down pat weeks before I'm getting on stage, ideally, right? You know, maybe there's a last minute change that comes up, but I really want to try to have that locked in. So what I'm doing leading up to it is not so much rehearsing or learning, but really just reminding and sort of running through it. So what I tend to do is I will actually voice record, you know, with like the the voice recorder on the phone, Mm -hmm. uh, on my phone and just voice record one run through that I'm doing where I'm full time, right? So all the pauses, all the moments, as much time as it needs to be. And then I listen back to that. Almost like I'm listening to a podcast. I listen to my full talk while I'm at the airport or you know, at the gym, which maybe it's not the most motivating. I don't know. But using the audio, that's just, again, knowing the way that I learn, I tend to learn that way. So it, it's helpful for me to review in that manner. Yeah. At that point, you're really just trying to internalize it. Like You know right. where it's going and you know what comes next, but you really want to make sure that you, you really know it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like the way I always like to think of it is, you know, if you ask me, like, tell me about whenever you met your wife, right? And I'd be like, oh, you know, I'd love to, but I I don't have my notes here. You know, like, (laughs) I really, I know that so well that, yeah, I'll totally, I can tell it right now. And it's something that just Mm -hmm. comes fresh. And so it's instead of thinking, like, I want to be comfortable and confident enough with the material that I'm not having to constantly go back to my notes. I'm not having to constantly depend on my slides, but I know where I'm going. And it also allows me to be fully present and engaged with the audience and not just so deep in my own head. I think we've both seen speakers who, like, they're just, so deep in their own head of like, here's what comes, I have to think of the next line and okay, now, okay, I'm saying this, so I have to move, take five steps to this part of the stage and Mm -hmm. to do this thing with my hands. And they're just so, they're just thinking about it so much that they're not present and engaged with the audience. So yeah, it's important to like really make sure you know the content and know the material and not like, like the best speakers in the world are not speakers who just say like, well, I'm just, you know, going to get up on stage and wing it. Like they don't do that. They spend hours and hours and hours practicing, rehearsing, going through the material time and time again, so that they really know it before they get up on stage. What's your review process? Like, you don't do the audio recording, right? You do something else? No, I don't. What I tend to do is I tend to manuscript it out and then I'll actually print it out and I'll kind of go through almost page by page and kind of build on top of each other. So Mm -hmm. I'll go through the first page and just kind of reading it, reading it, reading it. And then I'll put my notes down and kind of go over it and speaking it. And like you said, it's not just in my head. It is speaking it out loud. There are times where I've walked around holding a remote or a pen or something in my hand, especially if you're doing something that requires you to use your hands or, or do something that has some type of visual aid and just thinking through, for example, there's a a story that I tell where I am 
I bring my like a high school yearbook, like an old school yearbook, and I use it on stage. Well, I have to think through like, okay, if I'm going to hold this in this hand and I need to open it and I need to turn to this specific page to show the specific thing and I have one hand to do that with, like that's logistically not, something's not going to work there, right? I need to think that stuff through ahead of time and not while I'm on stage going, oh crap, what do I do now? So I'll go through just kind of like page by page of learning the material and then I'll just, okay, now I'll start from, now do page one and two. Okay, now do page one, two, and three. Now do page one, two, and just keep going like and building on top of each other. And like you said, this really comes down to when you're doing new material that you've never done before. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, the more you do the material on stage, the more comfortable that you feel and the less that this needs to happen over time. But especially early on when you're learning new material, you're spending a lot of time going over and over and over and over to really internalize it and make sure you know where you're going. And I think this is always an evolving process, right? Because even as you have new talks, you're hopefully your expertise is tight enough that you're going to be relying on some of the same stories. So there are some of my stories that I've told hundreds of times on yeah. stage, right? And there are others that maybe I've done them 20 times. Yep. There are some stats that I only had to use that stat one time at that very specific niche conference. So if I were to use it again, I would need to review more because it's been a long time. So again, you don't want to be doing that right before you go on stage or the night before, the day before. That is too soon. You're going to add a lot of pressure to yourself. So a big part of showing up and being your best self on stage is understanding, knowing, and feeling comfortable with your material. And that comes from rehearsal in the weeks and months leading up to that. Yeah. One other thing that I'll do is if I'm doing a new talk, if I'm doing some new material, or if I'm doing things out of order than what I would normally do, usually I'll take a, a, a little piece of note paper, like whatever that is in the hotel room, and I'll scribble down like a couple of keywords, you know, so yearbook, car, Disney, um, skydiving, a few of these like keywords that those four words mean squat to everybody else. But I know exactly what all those stories are. And I know exactly where to go with those. So sometimes I'll just have that. And I'll just I'll have that in my pocket that I'm while I'm backstage, I'm kind of looking at and it kind of reminds me of like comedians, comedians will have like a bunch of bits that are kind of put together. And then, and then I, you know, I'm talking about pineapples and then I'm transitioning to talking about airplane travel. And I'm talking, you know, you're just like, wait, what? But they have just those key words that they just know how I'm segueing and transitioning from one thing to the next. And a really good example of this, this is a a documentary I've mentioned many, many times. And I I know we've had different guests who've mentioned it, but the documentary comedian with uh, Jerry Seinfeld, it's an old one from, I think like in the nineties, but it's on Netflix now. And it's showing him working on a basically a, a TV special that he's rehearsing his material and going through his material. And so before he's getting ready to deliver kind of this the final presentation of it, it shows him in his hotel room and he's got a little note card just, okay, and then he's just this word and then this keyword and then this keyword and then this keyword. And he's just going over the keywords of just knowing, I don't need to go through the whole story. I just need to know, I'm gonna tell this story and then it comes to this story and then I go to this thing and then I can make this point and then I use this stat. And they just know where they're going. So that's a really good one to, again, go. Have you watched that before? I haven't. Oh, it's in my queue. Oh, it's in my queue. It. Okay. All right. You'll get to it. You'll get to it. <laughs> Download it. Watch it on the next flight. All, All right. right. So uh, rehearsing your material. Let's talk about like then leading up to the, the couple hours beforehand. What does that process look like for you? For me, leading up to it, I mean, I focus a lot on the mental side of things, right? Because I think it's very important to be in the right mindset. It's very easy for me to, personally, I know myself, it's easy for me to feel distracted or to feel stressed if I've got other things going on in the world. So a lot of the time leading up to it is I'm actually focused on the mental side of things. How do I get in the right mindset? How do I get my energy up? How do I maintain focus and make sure that I'm actually really present? Like we're saying, you know, you're showing up and you're present on stage. So 
One of the things that I actually really like to do is, is listen to music. You know, it depends. I have a playlist that I listen to uh, on Spotify. It's like a girl power playlist that like makes me feel pumped up and like ready to go. So I will do that. But it's got to be something for me with a fast beat so that I feel like I'm moving. I'm getting my energy up. Are you a fan of music I, before I, you head out? Uh, usually not. There, I used to, um, I don't do this as much now, but I used to listen to that uh, Eminem song, Lose Yourself. And I just <laughs> had that on repeat and just over, like just you're going into battle right now, right? You're just getting fired up for it. I know of another speaker who listens to the uh, the soundtrack from Hamilton and like just like that just fires him up, you know, before he, he goes to speak. So again, like there's no right or wrong way to do it. And some people who uh, I tend to, I don't listen to music as much now and it's more like I'm just going through my material and I'm just, I'm ready to go. I often find too that, and I'm curious what your take is on this, I guess the level of the event, so to speak, and the stakes of the event kind of determine how much prep I need to mentally do to get up for it. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, like from a sports analogy, if you're playing a preseason game versus you're playing a championship game, there's Mm -hmm. a different level of like, all right, I really got to work up to this, to play this, to even want to show up here versus like, oh yeah. Like like if I got to have a pep talk to get fired up for this type of event and this high quality of an event, you know, on this big of a stage or whatever it may be, like something's wrong with me. So I find some of that determines like there's some events where like, I don't need a pep talk. I'm ready to go. Just give me the mic. I am fired mm-hmm. up to, to go. Yeah. I think it's different for everyone. Right. Like, and it's it, a lot of this comes down to, and, and we'll talk about this several more times is like knowing yourself, knowing what conditions you work best under and trying your best to maintain those conditions when you're in a speaking environment. So for me, I know that one of the things that makes me feel high energy is listening to hot to fast music. So that's what I'm going to do right before I go out to kind of recreate those conditions for myself. The other thing that I do is I actually, I know you talked about your note card backstage. I actually try not to even touch the material for like an hour leading up to when I go out at least. And the reason is, it will kind of pull me out of the mindset. It makes me feel like I'm studying for a test. Like, okay, I've only got an hour and I, you know, it it kind of puts too much pressure on myself. So I I really try to prepare in advance so that I don't feel that pressure in the hour leading up to when I walk out. I always try to make sure I go over my note card and I'm kind of looking at that, just making sure that I know the order there. The other thing I remember hearing a speaker say one time is they really focus on what they're saying in the first 10 or 15 seconds and almost thinking of it like a domino. Like if I'm really confident in what that first line is, once I get that going, then it's like, it's so easy, right? You just go on, you just, not like you go on autopilot or something, but you just, I know it comes next. And it's you momentum. Just, yeah, you just you start to go into the zone almost, but I want to make sure that I know what the first thing or two is that I'm going to be saying. So that's the line I'm going over and over and over to make sure I get up, say that, and then I'm off to the races. I would say that absolutely the most rehearsed portions of my talk are always those first like minute or two and the last minute or two, because those are to me, again, the most, the really the most powerful points like there, you really want to stick every word that you're saying, make the most of it, understand, like you were saying where your body is in each of those moments to to make the most of it. So yeah, those things are, are second nature to me now. Do you get nervous? Do you have butterflies before you go on? I don't. I don't anymore. I get excited. And I think it's because of that music. Like if I weren't listening to music, if I were just standing there in the silence, like waiting like 13 more minutes, 12 more minutes, counting down, it would feel like this big anxious thing. For me, if I'm listening to music and just moving around a little bit, I'm just feeling like, oh yeah, I'm ready. I'm just having fun. Everything is is great. Another good example of this is that Netflix documentary with uh, Tony Robbins that came out a few years ago. It's very PG-13. He's, uh, he uses some very strong language. So warning there. But you see a little bit of his 
what he does behind the scenes before he speaks. And then he kind of walks through his own little checklist there of things that he does to uh, listen to music, jump on the trampoline. He, he, does. he has a tiny trampoline. Tiny I, I trampoline. Every time I see like a headline about him or anything, I just think of the tiny trampoline now. And he jumps on that. He jumps and jumps and jumps and jumps. He jumps, jumps, and jumps a jumps. lot. For him, it's just um, getting the blood flowing and getting you know physically in that place where he's he's ready to go. Well, and speaking of physically, right, that that is the moving, the jumping is kind of crossing that line between the mental prep and the physical prep. So yeah. maybe let's talk a little bit. How do you protect your voice, right? Because that is really our tool. You know, this is yeah. this not unlike a singer or, you know, an actor, like this is our main tool. So do you do anything special to kind of keep your voice strong and healthy? One thing you have to do is you just have to be aware of that, you know? So if you know that, okay, I am going to a conference and I'm a super extrovert, which I'm not, but if you're super extroverted and you're just making the rounds and you're like, I'm speaking on day four, but I'm going to day one and on day two and day three, and I'm going to talk to everyone. I'm going to go to all the networking events. Like, are you going to have a voice by day four? Like you just have to be aware of those types of, of changes. So I try to really minimize the talking that I'm doing. I try to drink a lot of water. Sometimes I'll do hot tea like in the morning or leading up to the talk. But generally, I just try to I try to avoid people. And it's <laughs> kind of like a philosophy in life in general, whether I'm speaking or not. But it's, it sounds horrible. Yeah, just drinking a lot of water. I tend to prefer uh, room temperature water. I think cold water starts to have like a negative effect on your throat. Other than like, just drinking a lot of water, avoiding people, resting. <laughs> like those are the main things I do from a voice perspective. Those are just everyday things. That's it. That's, that's Tuesday for me. <laughs> for, for once, we're in the exact same camp. I am also I'm also on that on that same side. I try, especially the day that I'm speaking, I don't have any interviews, I don't have any phone calls. Like I'm I'm not barricading myself in the hotel room and not using spoken word, but I'm trying my best to kind of not over talk, not get my, right. my voice strained at all. Drink a lot of water. The thing for me that's important is I drink a lot of coffee in my actual daily life and I drink mostly decaf, right? I'm not trying to make my heart explode here, but I know some people think like try to avoid that the day of, for me, I try not to mess with my routine. So yeah. I will continue to drink the same amount of coffee I would normally drink still decaf day of, because I don't want to throw myself off. I don't want to create these like weird, exceptional conditions for myself. So I do still drink coffee, but a lot more water. And I know that there's a lot of people who swear by this like throat coat tea. Yeah. A lot of our speaker friends are like this worshiping, worshiping at the, at the altar of throat coat tea. Yeah. There's, it's like a, a magical elixir of some kind. And there's some spray I've seen some speakers just mm -hmm. swear by. And yeah. it looks like a performer's secret. Is that? Yeah, it looks like someone with a tux on the bottom. <laughs> but yeah, they just, they love it. And a couple squirts of that, maybe. Uh, again, I've never used it before, but I know people who swear by it. And I, again, I think a lot of it depends on how much talking you're going to be doing. So like, I know you and I tend to do more, you know, an hour block type of thing. And typically, like if you do some like basic stuff, you'll be fine. Versus, I remember talking, uh, hearing about this several years ago from Brendan Burchard, who was saying he does like two or three, four day all day seminars. So if you're like, you know, doing that, or even like some of what Tony Robbins does, where he's he's on stage for, you know, 12, 13, 14 hours in a day, that's a lot of talking and the voice is going to have a major, major strain. So you really got to think through some extreme levels of what you're doing. But if you're doing a lot of like all day workshops, all day seminars, all day trainings versus like an hour here, hour there, then your prep is going to be different. Yeah, I'm a little nervous. I'll have to report back. In a few weeks, I have a five-day span where I'm doing keynote, keynote, day off, and then two full-day workshops. So I may, I don't know, I may learn some some tough lessons about protecting the voice and we can report back. 
Good to know. All right. So uh, what about food? Do you eat ahead of time? Again, I know different speakers have different preferences on this. I got a buddy who like the day of, he does not eat anything and he just swears by it. And I'm just like, dude, I, I'm going to be lightheaded. I, I got to eat, yeah. you know? So what do you do when it comes to food? Listen, if I don't eat, I get hangry. Yeah, no totally. To me. Right. So I, I know my limits. I, I do eat in the morning, so I'm not hungry up there, but I don't eat right before. And the other thing that I don't do is eat anything new or different, which, you know, not to sound like a diva, but again, you don't want to have a weird reaction to something. You don't want to get a stomach ache. You don't need to, to mess with, with mess with your body that way. So something safe, something predictable, I'll eat in the morning, but not immediately before I go out. What about you? Yeah, same thing. Like one variable is going to be like, if you're at a, sometimes I'll speak at like a banquet and they serve a big meal, you know, buffet or service style. And now here's our speaker, right? And so in those situations, sometimes it just depends on like what they're serving. You know, I don't want to have like some huge meal and like here's a huge thing of pasta now you know hop up and do your thing and try not to burp into the mic but sometimes it's just like hey i just i need a couple bites of something or a granola bar or a protein Grab bar a or something yeah. yeah just something to like get something in your system there drink a lot of water there but just yeah thinking that through the other thing is like thinking through like the time of day that you're speaking and how that like overlaps with meals and when you would normally be eating what your normal routine is on that and some of that again is just kind of like testing what makes sense for you mm-hmm. i tend to just like if I'm eating, I'm going to eat my normal stuff, but I'm just going to be aware of how soon I'm going to be speaking after that to make sure I'm not just feeling lethargic and dead afterwards. Yeah. And this is probably a good time to point out that you may want to bring snacks with you, yeah. right? So especially if you're traveling a lot or you're going to be on a different time zone, your body's going to, you're going to be hungry at weird times when totally. stuff may not be open or not being served. So, you know, have something. You don't want to go up there hungry. I'm embarrassed to admit how many times, like, I don't know about you, like after I finish speaking, then I get hungry and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter what time of day it is. I'm like, it's 11 o'clock at night. I need to find some ice cream somewhere. And I'm just, cause also like your speaking is just like this adrenaline rush and you just feel like high on top of the world. And like, I got to come down from that buzz. So let's have some ice cream at midnight. And that probably doesn't help at all now that I think no. about it. <laughs> do you do anything else day of just, uh, like, do you work out at all? I don't. And, you know, all of this, I'm being consistent at least, right? Yeah. I'm not the kind of person, I don't have like a morning run routine. You know, yeah. I don't, I don't have something that I need to stick with, right? I work out irregularly because I am on the road so much. So I don't try to hold myself. And I think for me, I just don't want to add pressure to myself, right? I think for me, if I woke up day of speech and I was like, I must go to the gym, it would feel like I was forcing myself. So, you know, I'm trying not to mess with that routine. But I do know that there are some speakers who they wake up, they run, few miles in the morning and that like that gives them their energy so i think a lot of it's consistency are you like a day of gig marathon runner not at all no no yeah like you said like the routine stays the same nothing out of the ordinary i don't want to just hey i got a big talk tonight we should try some new weightlifting routine like, we should go run five miles and hope it doesn't affect me tonight like you just don't want to throw yourself out of the the norm of, of what the rhythms are and in fact we actually did an episode recently on this episode 166 with my buddy sean stevenson on how to stay healthy when speaking on the road and we get into the nitty-gritty on that stuff that guy is a extremely smart and better shape than i'll ever be but he's extremely <laughs> smart when it comes to health and nutrition especially when it comes to travel which is difficult like i was just traveling a couple days ago. I know you were too. And you're in an airport at odd times and like, I need to find a meal, but all I want to eat is Annie Ann's pretzels. And that's probably not the best thing. So just thinking those things through ahead of time, Sean talks a lot about that. Again, that's episode 166. So make sure you check that out. Yep. I'm big on packing snacks. Part of my carry on. It's a whole bag of snacks. A whole bag of 
snack pack <laughs> for the road there. What else do you do when you're backstage? All right. So half hour, hour before you go on stage, you're just, yep. which the other thing too is like as a speaker, you're doing a lot of waiting. Like that's one thing mm-hmm. like uh, we don't always talk about is you're sitting and waiting, sitting and waiting, sitting and waiting. And sometimes it depends on the conference schedule where there's times where, hey, you, you're the session starts, there's going to be a few opening words and then you're up. But I remember I did one a couple years ago where it's like it's a four hour session and like I'm the last thing. Well, like at that point, I'm exhausted just from like sitting back there. Like I haven't done anything. Like I just want to get on stage there, you know, get it going, get it out of the way, get rolling. Anything else that you do while you're backstage? So I talked about before that I listen to music. That's a big thing for me is like I do that up until the point where I'm about to walk out basically, yeah. you know, and if, if there happens to be music on in the venue, I'll, that works for me, but I'm listening to music and I'm usually moving. Like I don't have a, a Tony Robbins tiny trampoline that I travel with, but I do, I bounce around a little bit. I'll yeah. shake out my arms I shake out my legs. I'll, I'll hop up and down in place. It is just about getting that blood flow moving and also like getting my body moving because I'm not just going to walk out there and stand in one place. I'm going to be walking and leaning and moving and talking with my hands. So I want all those things warmed up. So I just do, you know, music and a lot of like stretching and, and shaking things out. Yeah, I kind of rotate back and forth. Sometimes I'm just sitting in a chair or sometimes I'm just kind of pacing back and forth. I tend to try to find a place backstage that's away from everybody else. Again, some of the introvert Mm -hmm. side of it and some of it just, I want to make sure I'm mental. I don't, I just don't want to be like having a ton of chit chat. Again, some of it depends on the the nature of the event, but sometimes I'll just try to find a not necessarily a quiet corner, but a corner away from people where I can kind of pace back and forth, be with my own thoughts, and uh, and be ready to go. But yeah, jump up and down a few times, and maybe a couple jumping jacks. But yeah, other than that, like I'm ready to go. Give me the mic, let's go. Exactly. Yeah. Once I get the energy up, I'm good to go. And I I actually am in the same. Like I agree with that. I I also usually will try to find some space off to the side by myself to kind of like reconnect, slow things down before I start my, my little mini dance routine. So my middle daughter, when she was little, she got in this phase where she would always say, no people look at me, no people talk to me. And so my wife and I still to this day repeat that. So before I speak, no people talk to me, all right? I'm ready to go. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be over in the we corner. Need, we Just need t-shirts. No, no people, no people talk to me. No people look at me right now. <laughs> I'm into it. We'll get t-shirts. All right. There you go. <laughs> All right. Let's do this. Let's kind of do a quick lightning round with just some uh, bonus tips here of anything else that we do beforehand, just getting our heads and our minds in the right place before we talk. What else do you do? Yeah. So I have a, a strict rule. I do not answer emails in the hour or so leading up to my gig. And that might change depending on when the rehearsal is, but I might check it, make sure there's nothing urgent, you know, telling me that the, the room has changed or something, but I'm not going to answer client emails. I'm not going to be doing any of that stuff leading up to it. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Just any type of interaction with something that's any type of negativity. Like, I don't want to just get in, uh, be reading an email that's going to leave me pissed off right before I go on stage. Like, that's not going to be good for me or for the audience. One thing I try to do is, depending on the, the context, I may try to meet some of the audience ahead of time. So when I'm on stage, I may have some familiar faces that I can look at and I can connect with. Again, some of it depends on the context, but I may go around and, you know, shake hands for uh, a little bit before the session starts. People that are coming early, going around, meeting them, and, uh, hey, where are you from? And, and, How's the conference been for you? Is this your first time to this city or anything like that? It's just like some type of a human connection. So that's one thing I'll do from time to time. The other thing I do, it's sort of similar to the first thing, I guess, is I actually try not to schedule anything else on gig day. 
So even if it's afterward, if I've got like a call or a meeting yeah. or something that's on my on my calendar, it's going to be sort of floating around in the back of my head and I won't be able to be fully present. I'll be thinking, oh, did I send the agenda for that meeting or did I, you know, connect with so-and-so on, on that, that call we have later? So I try, I try really to have only the gig on gig days so that I don't have to worry about rushing or, or getting anywhere else, you know, with the rare exception of travel. One thing you've talked about too is making sure that you control variables and making sure that everything is good to go. So you're not worried about when I get on stage, is, or is anything going to happen or is, is the right thing going to happen at the right time? So one thing I try to do is make sure I've had some type of audio tech walkthrough ahead of time. Um, I also try to just get on, even if there's not like a need for a big mic check, I'll try to walk around the room, get on stage ahead of time, try to get a sense of like, what is it going to be like when I'm on stage and I'm looking at what's that going to, what am I going to be kind of looking at? I'll try to figure out like if there are cameras, which camera do I need to be looking at? I try to figure out what the lighting situation is going to be like with the tech guys. So it's not like we're all trying to figure it out on while I'm on stage. You've probably seen some speakers who get on stage. Hey, can we do this with the house lights? Or, Hey, can you do that with these lights? And like that stuff is just obnoxious. Like that should have been taken care of ahead of time. So figuring out what your preferences are, make sure that you discuss those ahead of time. Another thing too, is depending on the, if there's like an an event production company there or the high level of production, finding out little details like which side of the stage I need to enter from. Am I going to, do I need to turn on my mic or are you turning on my mic, you know, from the board or from wherever? And so some of those little details, I just, I know what I need to be doing when I'm on stage. So again, I'm thinking about my first few lines and I'm not thinking like, oh crap, I need to make sure I do this and I need to, all that stuff has been figured out ahead of time. And the last thing that I I always try to find out ahead of time so that I feel prepared is I ask about whether there is a countdown clock or a courtesy monitor that's going to be showing the slides. Mm -hmm. And if so, where is it and what does it look like? So yeah, Sometimes you have a situation where they're going to hold up a card in the back of the room to give you a five minute warning. Sometimes that's a 10 minute warning. Sometimes that means your time is up. You know, you may have the slide down in front there, the screen down in front, maybe showing you your current slide. It may be showing you the next slide. So for me, knowing all of those things in advance helps me feel more prepared when I'm walking out onto that stage that I know what to expect. And I know how I can interact with all of these resources that are being given to me. And even like you mentioned, like a countdown clock of knowing is the clock counting up or is it counting down? So again, so simple, so silly, but if you're in your head thinking, oh, it's going to be counting up and then you get on stage and it's counting down, you go, oh crap, I got to do a lot of math for the rest of my time here. So just knowing those little variables can, can really make a big difference. But I mean, it sounds like ultimately we both have pretty similar routines, but every speaker is going to be slightly different. You just need to have some type of routine for preparing for the gig. So rehearsing your material, when you're backstage, what you do the day of, all of those little nuances are going to be different. So figuring out and and determining what makes the most sense and what works best for you. And I think the key is just to listen to your mind, listen to your body, know the conditions where you do your best work, whether that's on the stage, what are those conditions behind the stage? What are those conditions? And in your room, the day, the night before, what are those conditions? So you're setting yourself up for success. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with myself and Melanie. Again, if you enjoy these episodes, do a couple things for us. One, let us know. All right, you can do that even by email and you can email in at support at thespeakerlab.com. Let us know if you enjoy this. You can find me on Twitter at Grant Baldwin. Let me know if you enjoy the podcast. Also, you can subscribe to the podcast. Leave us a rating and review. So wherever you are listening to this app, this episode right now, whatever app you're using, just hit that subscribe button. And again, make sure that you uh, leave us a rating and review. That really helps us out. All right, that wraps up today's episode. We'll catch you next week. You're awesome. Awesome.